0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: This is Gerard Gibbert, and thank you for listening to Middays here on Super Talk Mississippi.
0: Just when you think you've heard it all. Heard it all, heard it all, heard it all. It's time. It's time to kickstart another hour of the JT Show. The freak it is.
2: On with the show.
0: Showtime. Now, here's more with JT. On Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to JT Show, Super Talk, Mississippi. Thanks for tuning in, joining us. Gerard Gibbard in with you, along with Rhino. Right into the second hour here. All right, lots of text here on the C Spire text line. Uh, Darius wants to know if we've checked on Dave since the election. Need to make sure he's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so some other stuff here. What is it? So, Saved by the Bell actor Dustin Diamond has stage four cancer.
3: Yeah, that was announced last week. The actor that played Screech on yeah. Saved by the Bell is currently battling stage four cancer.
1: I'll be darn. Well, we, our prayers are, are up for him. Sorry to hear that. That's a great show, actually, in its day. Completely
3: uh, misrepresented the life of uh, teenagers when I was growing up. But. Yeah. I presumed growing up that high school was just hanging out at the, the local cafe right next door all day long. <laughs> that's
1: pretty much the, the essence, the theme of the show, was it not? That was the storyline. Have some malts and milkshakes and stuff. and <laughs> Oh, my God. high school at all. You yeah, lied to that's me. That's it. <laughs> Ew, Thomas and Greenwood says, this is why he's talking about schools. This is why private school children score higher, parent involvement. When you pay for something, you expect your kids to perform well. You know, I would add to that, parent involvement is secondary to the need for parents. That's what's missing to a great extent. So it's not just parent involvement. It's just... If you, if you really took a look at how many children aren't living with their biological parents. That does, that's not to say they can't have a positive upbringing and end up being productive members of society. Not suggesting that. want to be clear. I'm just saying that statistical probability is not in their favor. That's just mathematical fact. And that's But you can't talk about that, because you get canceled. So somebody sent us a note here on the 601 C Spire uh, talking about BLM, he says BLM is not against the nuclear family because it supposedly comes from white Europeans. They are revolutionary communists who are hiding behind race relations to attack the foundations of our society. White people are the new bourgeoisie. yeah, yeah. You know when it? I gotta tell you, I may be a little cynical about this, but I think all these these activist organizations, and to a great extent, just what we've seen emerge on the left the last few years, it, it's not so much they want socialism. I want to be clear about this. It's transferism. It's not that they necessarily want the government to control the means and the volume of production. That's really the more classic definition of socialism. They just want your stuff, more than anything, right? That, I mean, that's, that's kind of underlying. You got it, I don't. Somebody's got to get in the middle of that and, and make me equal to you. It's, it's not so much that they want the government. You never hear them say, I think the government needs to go in there and just take over that factory take over that distribution center, take over that services organization, and just run it. That's socialism. That's what happened in Venezuela. They nationalized the banks, the energy industry, every industry, and the next thing you know, the people are in the streets trying to find bread. No toilet paper. You remember, of course, we had that during the pandemic, but that wasn't because we wasn't manufactured enough. It's because people were hoarding like two years' worth of it. But anyhow, that... That's not what, what these people want. They, they want. they want to tell you, well, Social Security, that's really socialism. Well, not really. I mean, you, you could connect those dots and construe it as that somewhat. But I think more importantly, what, they just want more money. <laughs> they want more assets, and they want that to be transferred to them. Thus, I use that term transferism. Is really kind of what, what they seek. Um, but yesterday, I thought it was interesting, in Joe Biden's speech, when, when it was supposed to be one that was kind of grounded in this notion of, of healing and, and unity, I, I just, this was, a, this was a statement, I'll just read. It. A cry for survival comes from the planet itself. A cry that can't be any more desperate or any more clear. And now, a rise in political extremism, white supremacy, and domestic terrorism that we must confront and we will defeat. I just got to tell you, I'm not saying that white supremacy and political extremism doesn't exist, but there's a lot of different forms of racism that exist in this country and on this earth it's not like the only racist in the world are what I think is a very small number of white supremacists. I Just don't, like
3: the political extremism isn't coming from the far right. Correct. I mean yesterday, inauguration day, you had violent protests in Denver, in Sacramento, in Portland, you had all these Antifa protests that are unhappy with Biden being elected. They just want to throw the whole thing into chaos. And, and w-
1: what were the buildings that, that they were destroying? Federal buildings. And the, the Democrat headquarters. <laughs> Which, once again, I'm telling you, it's not that they love Biden and the left and the Democrats and all that crap. They just want your stuff. That was what the message was yesterday. We want your stuff. Transfer it to us. We're deserving of it, but when i I guess when I listen to that uh the the tone and I think the the goal was to deliver this message of unity and healing and peace, and we're all in this together platitude when you I just think when you introduce white supremacy and domestic terrorism as like the number one challenges we have. And you know that's totally because of what happened on January 6th, where a very fractional number of idiots, morons, thought they could bust up into the Capitol and, and just take over the government and take over the country. Now everybody else is just in that group. It's stereotyping, profiling, grouping, collectivism. It's no different than the one idiot cop in the incident with George Floyd. Now every cop's that way. It's clear there's institutional racism, and it's alive and well in every law enforcement agency across the country. The tens of millions of interactions that police officers have in a year with citizens, -citizens, non-citizens, etc., you never hear about those where there's not such extreme brutality committed by one idiot. But yet, the oh, that's it. That that proves it. They're all bad. We got to throw them out. We got to defund them. We got to reform them. Uh, we just got to. Oh, you know the the word they love to use, rhino. That you just better hold on when you hear this. We have to reimagine. <laughs> you better hold your wallet, your assets, your property, your life when you hear <laughs> that bromide. We have to reimagine it. It's it's a. It's a euphemism that just, it sounds so harmless. Oh yeah, we're going to sit around the table and we're going to solve these problems because we're going to reimagine. Like we're going to reimagine what biological gender is. This concept that there are 2 be gone with that. You're a, you're, a, you're a misogynist, you're racist. Well, I don't know all the various idgist and isms and all that stuff. Bigoted. Because, be, you're just bigoted, right. Because you don't accept. It's a biological fact that there are just only two genders. You're a white supremacist if you think that. Didn't you know that? So if he thinks that that kind of language, but more importantly, you go look at the list of orders he signed yesterday, which we discussed on the air, 15, that's not very unifying because I would argue that the 74 million people that supported Donald Trump if you just look at him as being the antithesis, if you will, to the current president, I bet you won't find hardly any, if any, that support those 15 orders, the policies in those 15 orders. Why the first day? That's eye poking. I, oh by God, this place is going to hell in a handbasket. We got to reverse all those Trump policies before the country just folds. That was the message. All these things are so destructive and so damaging and so harming. Like not sending money to other countries for abortions. We gotta get on that immediately. That's uniting? Healing?
3: No way. Can't even rush it through the House and Senate
1: where they are in charge. Exactly. Hmm. Wow. We'll come back with more talk. Don't forget we got Senator David Blunt coming up. At 12 and at 1137, we'll take your call. Stay with us on the
4: JT Show. Selling your vehicle? We'll buy it. Need to put it on our lot? We'll consign it. Just need a new ride for the new you? We'll trade it. Pinnacle Motors needs you. Well, needs your vehicle. Steve Owen and the friendly staff of Pinnacle Motors is buying, consigning, and trading quality pre owned cars, trucks, and SUVs at the corner of Highway 471 at Baker Lane and Vine Street in Brandon and online at Pinnacle Motors That's Pinnacle Motors Pinnacle Motors needs you. Well, needs your vehicle. Quality vehicles, affordable prices. Pinnacle
5: Motors. This is Home Answers Radio, and my guest today is Trey Jackson of Bulldog Construction. Trey. every small business has unique needs and when you partner with a Dell technologies advisor you get real-time tailored advice they'll even give you a free consultation on your servers and storage devices to develop a custom solution to help improve your company's productivity plus get special financing with Dell business credit and big savings on business computers with Intel core processors call a Dell technologies advisor at 877 ask
4: Dell
5: Gallo here. Back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. with all the news, weather, traffic, and info you need to start your day in the Jackson Metro area. Right now, more of the JT Show on Super Talk Mississippi, ninety-seven
0: point three. JT, JT, how provocative can he be? The JT Show, PG
8: thirteen,
0: Super Talk Mississippi, Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: Thanks for joining us on the JT Show today. Gerard Gibberton along with Rhino, spinning the tunes on a TV theme show Thursday. So, David from Texas slash Amory says, I wonder how much sincerity Lady Gaga had while singing the national anthem. She did seem to put
3: more emphasis on the flag was still there.
1: Yeah, I noticed that. She turned around and kinda of held that note and it was weird. Her her body English was weird. What about that giant dove she had on her the brooch? You see that? It was like life size, actual size. <laughs> I missed that. And it was supposed to be, you know, symbolizing peace, the call for peace. It was gigantic on her So She's
3: not necessarily known for being subtle. No.
1: <laughs> Very good point. Known
3: for being weird is what she's known for. She did wear. She wore a dress made out of meat <laughs> to an award show. Out of meat? Yes,
1: like steaks. Wait, wait, wait. Pinned together. She's got to absolutely be on the you you know what list to Peta, huh?
3: I mean, she just she really wanted to be Madonna 2.0.
1: That's true. No chance.
3: There's so. only one Madonna.
1: No no chance. Yeah, I don't know that you would want to be at this point. You know, Madonna in her day, I was uh, in my 20s, I guess. And her music was enjoyable. It was was, uh, disruptive. 80s. What the heck happened? She went off on the deep end.
3: She married
1: Guy Ritchie, picked up a British accent, and uh, then got weird. (laughs) Beyond weird. And then, of course... Was it the day Trump was inaugurated she I'm gonna go blow up the White House? I've thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Why is she still walking after saying that? Shouldn't Biden have called that out? We need to we we need to fully denounce and censure those people who call for blowing up the White House. Where was that in the speech?
3: <laughs> oh my gosh. So, that was back when political violence was funny.
1: Ah, that's what it is. Because you
3: had the, the Snoop Dogg music video with yes. the orange face-painted clown and the, the gun with the Joker thing. Flight came out Good and said point. bang.
1: Kathy Griffin with the effigy of Trump's head severed, bleeding. That was a, That's back, by the way, on Twitter.
3: Well, of course.
1: That's okay. So, but... You know, if you say, we got to keep fighting patriots, you're done! You're out of here! You're canceled permanently! Oh my gosh, and we're going to impeach you! You want to unify the country? Call the impeachment off in the Senate. Signing. I still can't get over this signing 15 executive orders, again, all of which I believe would be found objectionable to people on the other side of the political spectrum from you that don't share in your political philosophy why the, why that right off the bat you got to you got to shut down the xl pipeline send money overseas for for abortions goofy mask federal mask mandate which i think is a lot of fluff that does really nothing as as we talked about uh earlier um, and, and there's also this, there was this one bill, this racial equity, I shouldn't say order, not bill, but it, it requires like every federal agency to go do this deep dive analysis on, on the composition of its staff and its practices to ensure that it's, it's being fair uh, in treatment of employees, equitable treatment of employees, regardless of, of race and, and sex and so forth, gender, excuse me, and so forth. Uh, okay. Um that's the government creating jobs so that there are more jobs for people with
3: useless majors.
1: Pretty much that's it's pervasive in our government uh as it is now, but you know, it's it was a long list of of that kind of stuff with with respect to those orders and and of course you still got the 1.9 trillion dollar bill, aid bill, sitting out there that is expected to be taken up pretty soon I would think by the Congress, but but you had to get to that, you know, day one uh, all kinds of uh, rejoining the Paris Climate Accord, all sorts of you know, stop building the wall and, and lots of immigration policies but yet you're on the stand talking about how you're going to put you're going to put America first, and and I don't Really get that how, that, how that accomplishes that, how that fulfills that commitment when you've got this slew of immigration policies right off the bat, expanding DACA and getting rid of the quota systems and changing the way the census is done and all these things. How, how is that pro-America? I struggle with that. Um, I didn't see anything in there that really was. Right off the bat, by the way, it appears that the XL pipeline employs about 40,000, most of whom are unions. So they negotiated union contracts with four different pipe fitters unions last year. But yet, on the podium, he says, we're going to create good-paying union jobs. And the (laughs) the first day, you just killed 40,000 of them.
3: It's because he can't help but talk out of both sides of his mouth. He's had the same exact position – for forty plus years, yeah,
1: I think that's right, and and shame on us, obviously, for not for not seeing that, not being aware of that. We just seem to, I, I guess, we just seem to overlook it, or maybe we just maybe we don't care. <laughs> I mean, that's he's not Trump. Let's face it, he's not Trump. And if you watch the mainstream media yesterday and their analysis, the fawning. Like Jane Pauly did an interview with Kamala, and the the main subject matter of the conversation was her Chuck's tennis shoes. And Kamala, have you noticed how much she laughs? She laughs a lot. That's fine. She I just I don't know. Seems a little weird for a vice president. I normally I don't like to get into personal traits like that. I just notice that it comes across as a stalling tactic. Right, it's like okay, when are we going to get serious and talk about the issue? So it's it's more a criticism of that than it is the uh the laughing. But she was with Jane and, "Oh, yeah. I I've I've been wearing Chucks. I love Chucks. They're so comfortable and her husband, that would be the second gentleman, I think, right? Is is how he is to be referred." Says, "She has closets full of Chucks." <laughs> no, I don't. It's like you're at the neighborhood card game. Oh, here's
3: an example of some of the hard-hitting questions at the very first press briefing.
9: A lighter note, uh, will he keep Donald Trump's Air Force One color scheme change? This is such a good question. I have not had the opportunity to dig into that today, um, given the number of executive actions, orders, the inauguration, a few things happening. Um, I will venture to get you an answer on that, and maybe we can talk about it in here tomorrow.
1: That's such a good question what color is Air Force One gonna be? That's existential!
3: (laughs) And I can confirm the Playboy guy did not shout any questions. (laughs) The Playboy blogger. The guy whose only job is to put words on a website full of naked women.
1: (laughs) That's unbelievable. Oh man, so uh, extending the student loan pause you could argue that that obviously helps a lot of people. I think through September, if I'm not mistaken, just a, a pausing of payment of interest and in principal. Uh, of all the environmental actions that President Trump instituted, gone with the, the swipe of a pen. Uh, uh, the the immigration we talked about that and the reapportionment. Oh, the Muslim ban, the, tra- the travel ban on from mostly Muslim Muslim countries. That's that's out. There's another one that's kind of crazy that's obscure and it has to do with deferred enforcement of departure of Liberians. I kid you not, there was an EO amongst the fifteen that did just that. That's putting America first. I don't even know what that's all about. Somebody may know better than me. So uh, on the 601 text line, Air Force One, new color, tutti frutti. Oh, let's see here. Um, when one ide- ideology is allowed to set the narrative and squash punish those who do not agree, you are opening the door to fascism, communism. That is where our country is now. It's very scary time. I agree. We got to keep fighting. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we want you to call us 888 808 8637. Stay with us.
9: discounts at Soul Burgers Jewelry in Ridgeland. Buy remaining inventory for just pennies on the dollar. That's right, own fine jewelry for as little as 17 cents on the dollar. Doors close forever Saturday, January 23rd at Soul Burgers Jewelry, Ridgeland.
6: Hey, this is Jimmy Primos at the range in Gluckstadt. I'm sure by now you're aware of the shortage of ammunition that shooters and hunters are experiencing nationwide. Right now, we have a good supply of popular calibers like 9mm pistol and .223 rifle, as well as others that we're offering at fair market prices. We do limit the amount you can buy each day. At the range, we'd rather everybody have some than a few buy it all. I hope you'll come visit us soon and check out all the many things we have to offer at the range, a totally new and different type of gun store.
5: Pillium Corporation. When people hear our name, they say, cool name. What exactly do you do?
9: Great question. Pillium helps your company stay secure and current with IT support, IT security and forensics, cloud services, and networking.
5: Plus, next generation body cameras, in-car video systems, and mobile communications for public safety and first responder clients.
9: In short, Pilium Corporation helps our clients grow and thrive securely. Contact us at Pillium.com.
7: Smart people, smart business, Smart solutions. Final sale days, final discounts at Soul Burgers Jewelry in Ridgeland. Buy remaining inventory for just pennies on the dollar. That's right. Own fine jewelry for as little as 17 cents on the dollar. Doors closed forever. Saturday, January 23rd at Soul Burgers Jewelry, Ridgeland.
9: I'm Kelly Bennett, and you're listening to News, Mississippi. The
11: Department of Health is reporting 2,290 new COVID cases. The latest report is the first over 2,000 since Saturday and brings the state's total to just over 259,000. With the confirmation of 30 additional deaths, 5,668 Mississippians have now passed away from the virus. There were some hiccups in the rollout
9: of the vaccine, but Governor Tate Reeves says big strides have been made But they do have limits.
10: Our limiting factor today in Mississippi, now this was not true two weeks ago, but today our limiting factor is how many vaccines can we get. We feel like we have visibility on an additional 37,000 first doses for next week, and we can get those in arms fairly easily over a one-week period. So we need more manufacturing. We need more uh,
6: vaccines distributed.
9: For more information, find us online at newsms.fm.
6: Hey, it's Richard Cross from Sports Talk Mississippi reminding you to check out the College Football Fix every weekday at 5, driven by Ford. Speaking of Ford, get tough trucks and great deals at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Starting with Ford F-150, built with outstanding power and smart features, and the impressively capable 2021 Super Duty. No wonder F-Series is America's best-selling truck for 44 straight years. Test drive one today, and don't miss the College Football Fix, driven by Ford
0: citizens for the, for the first time in history
6: miss your favorite
0: super talk show you can hear it anytime anywhere on demand on demand with the super talk app what? don't
8: miss that
0: and at supertalk.fm newsms.fm newsms.fm you're one stop for all the news that matters in the magnolia state newsms.fm everything you need to know at your fingertips newsms.fm Hey, hey. Do you have an opinion on something you heard from JT or Rhino? Go ahead, grab your phone and text it to them. You can text at 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. The JT Show on Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: Next contestant on The Price is Right. <laughs> one dollar. <laughs> I would
3: be the one dollar guy.
1: All right, here we are. Let your voice be heard. Give us a call, 888-808-8637. Rhino and I were talking about a topic. How about this? What policy that Joe Biden has suggested he supports would you think or do you think would you would benefit from? Can you think of anything amongst those executive orders that he passed yesterday, his uh, his other campaign, uh, his discussion on the campaign about his agenda and his vision, what among those do you think you could benefit from? Uh, I would be interesting to hear about that. Uh, wow. I, I have a hard time figuring out any of the executive orders that he passed yesterday. I'll well, take it back. I'll, I'll start. The uh, the shutting down of the XL pipeline, I would benefit somewhat from, simply because I have, uh, I've had some investments in oil and gas working interest for some time, and the, the price of oil goes up. It was so depressed last year, uh, I got zero income from that investment. And there are a lot of people out there in the same boat. I would benefit from that. Not good for the guy that's gotta go down the pump, fill his his tank up. All right, we got Gary from Alabama wants to talk about the nothing president. Gary, morning.
2: Good morning.
1: Thanks for calling.
10: Hey, I appreciate I appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening, man. I come through Mississippi all the time. I listen to you all the time. Appreciate that. Be careful driving
1: through Mississippi. I know. <laughs> Stay safe, man. <laughs> What's on Look, your mind?
10: Um, well, I feel sorry for the people that voted for Biden. I rip- and you
1: know- All right, give us a call, please. 888-808-8637. Uh we were just Talking about Rhino and I, what policies you think you might benefit from coming out of the Biden administration? Call us about anything. That was just a suggested topic. Uh, call us about anything that kind of fits in with our theme and and our discussion today. Appreciate that. Um, let's see. We got a text on the C-Spire text line. How are the Democrats in control with only 48? Well, they, they won the Senate elections course uh, a couple of weeks ago in Georgia, uh, pushing their numbers to 50. So it's 50-50 in the Senate. It's happened before, but it is is absolutely evenly divided down the line, and in accordance with uh, our our constitutional rules, the vice president then, who presides over the Senate, would uh, have the deciding vote should the 50 uh, should we should we see a vote on any any measure or judicial appointment et cetera that the Senate votes on that it can be passed by a majority vote? If it's fifty fifty, the vice president would cast the deciding vote.
3: Yeah, and the two independents caucus with the Democrats.
1: My bad, that's right. Uh, good point. That may be where the question's coming from. That's so absolutely, good point, Rhino. Thanks, thanks for that. So Bernie Sanders, I believe, I don't know, he may have switched over. To the Democrat Party, but uh, there there are in fact two independents, and so but they caucus generally with the Democrat Party as Bernie did, obviously when he was an independent. So apologize if I didn't quite understand the context there. Yeah, Keith and JF says they're they're two independents. Uh, exactly what we said there. They generally vote with the Democrats. Uh, Jason and Collins sent the same thing. Yeah, appreciate that. So I apologize if I misunderstood. He, he's right. Forty eight Democrats. Yeah, uh, as far as their party affiliation, but the two do uh, caucus with um, with the Democrats. So we got Bob from Columbus wants to talk about the state income tax. Morning, Bob. What's on your mind?
3: All right, now you're live with us, Bob.
1: Yeah, on the, on the news that you've been running
12: for the past couple of days, there's a thing they do where some guy asks about the elimination of the state income tax. And he says, "Will that also eliminate the tax exemptions?" And how I'm confused as how you would ever have tax
2: exemptions if there was no tax.
1: Yeah, I what think are they talking about yeah, they're talking about other taxes uh, in and other items that are subject to other taxes that are not income taxes. So there, there are some things that well, I, I tell you. So for example, on sales tax, there are a lot of things that are. Presently exempt from applying sales tax, certain professional services, for example, like medical services, and I, I, don't know that I've heard anybody Rhino come out and say, "Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna start taxing." So I don't uh, those kinds of services. I just uh, am am trying to pass on that. That's what they mean by exemptions. I'm not talking about this like the standard and the personal exemption that you may be thinking about that would would come into play when you're computing your income tax, personal income tax. These would just be other transactions and other uh, other assets and items that are presently exempt from from taxes. The state income tax is the big one that comes to mind, where certain things are just exempt, and that varies from state to state and sometimes, um, even on a local basis, it can it can vary.
2: Okay. Yep. I just think it's kind of strange to talk about that when you're talking about income tax, but thank you.
1: Yeah, and I uh, appreciate that, Bob. So yeah, the, the reason they're talking about that, just to clarify, is because if we cut the income tax, it's a big chunk of money that uh, presumably would be lost uh, in in the revenue stream to the state, and so by eliminating some exemptions uh, elsewhere, uh, from the, from the tax revenue sources, the, the theory is you would, you would sort of offset some of that loss of income tax revenue with those other types of taxes where there are certain exemptions that would be repealed essentially. And, it, and I don't know, maybe there would be a tax, uh, drugs, right? I think, uh, prescription drugs, for example, there's no tax on that. Correct. Maybe instead of an income tax, you would have to pay a sales tax. Uh, on those drugs. Now, I will say Governor Tate Reeves, when he first announced his support for repealing the state income tax, he made it pretty clear, we think we can do this without adjusting or raising any other taxes. Now, whether or not that means eliminating exemptions, I don't know that that question's been asked, Uh, but but I guess that's technically not raising taxes or raising tax rates if you were to reduce or eliminate exemptions, but it, it would generate theoretically more revenue, and you would pay more money in those situations. It's it's like Amazon shipping stuff in, right? Trying to get uh, better control over use taxes. That was a big deal. Now, most of those, those uh, out-of-state online vendors, they're applying and they're charging taxes when you buy. You've probably noticed that. So that would be kind of an example of eliminating – it's not really eliminating exemptions. It's just kind of – taking a, a little bit harder look at that and from an enforcement perspective. Uh, I hope that answered the question there. So uh, what do we got here? If Biden does away with student loans, this is on the 662, do you think we will stop getting the phone calls about student loans? <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, yeah, that, that might be the case, in fact. You know, you could you could make all kinds of crazy arguments about that. Why do we why do we need to have all these redistribution mechanisms in place, which is really what all those policies are about? If we're going to send everybody to college for free, and if what we're being told is that you absolutely are are more prone to be economically successful with a college education, well then you don't need any help from the government because you're poor, because there won't be any more poverty. And speaking
3: of student loans, there is already a scam that has started. It started apparently yesterday where people are calling and saying that you, you are going to be forgiven for your student loans up to a certain oh, amount, and man. you have to send them a one-time payment. It's not how it's going to work. Don't send somebody money unless it's the person you have the loan with.
1: Wow. Well,
3: so, yeah, that's already started.
1: The scammers are really good. They're really smart. They're really good. Uh, and unfortunately, there will, there are people who will fall for it, and they'll get shaken down out of their money, separated with their money. I hate, I hate that. Uh, Eric and Madison says, I would like for him to do, this would be Joe Biden, an executive order that would put back in place the right of first refusal that Obama put in place and Trump removed. I didn't care much for the Obama administration. I liked that executive order. What specifically are you referring to, Eric? As it relates to what you would be refusing? I'm not sure. I follow that, Rhino. You got it.
3: Uh, I remember it was it was an executive order talking about contractors offering employees. Uh, the the right of first refusal for the the next iteration of the contract. I'll have to do some more digging. Yeah,
1: there. we'll take a look at that, Eric. What what's in your mind? Uh, Texas back, tell us kind of specifically what you're talking about, and uh, we'll see what we can we can do about that. So, Thomas Greenwood says he thinks it's a double speak with respect to the exemptions is a method to offset loss of revenue from eliminating the income tax. Uh, okay. I don't think it's double speak. I just think it's a way to make make all the numbers work. It's a complicated deal. Another segment left in this hour. Stay with us on the JT show
2: If your vehicle is ever damaged in a collision, please listen carefully.
6: This is the Midday Agri-Market Report, with President Donald Trump's time in office coming to a close, U.S. farmers will remember President Trump, who spoke to them and for them more often than any other president in modern history. Trump's policies on issues such as trade, energy, the environment, and immigration Heavily influenced farm prices, leading at times to criticism of the president's decisions. But the vast majority of farmers, who Trump often described as a great patriot farmers and ranchers, supported him throughout his tenure. Trump spoke three straight years at the American Farm Bureau Federation annual meeting and multiple times had events at the White House that included several agricultural leaders. President Trump's policies on issues such as trade, energy, the environment, and immigration heavily influenced the farmers, and the majority of the farmers supported him throughout his presidency. I'm Dixon Williams, and this is the Mississippi Agri-News Network.
4: Are you looking for something unusual or hard to find? You might just find it on HighBid.com. It's the online auction site for, well, just about everything. HiBid.com has estate sales, closeouts, liquidations, even government-seized vehicle auctions. It's easy to bid on office furniture, antiques, sports memorabilia, restaurant equipment, motorboats, even arcade games. You can search for items by name or simply see where the next page takes you. Visit HighBid.com. that's H-I-B-I-D.com, and find what you're looking for today. This season and every season, protect your rice fields with a full suite of herbicides from Valent USA. With Bolero 8 EC, League, and Regiment herbicides, Valent has an option to help you handle whatever weeds you're facing. Especially formulated to control the toughest weeds, including variety of broadleaf, sedge, grass, and aquatic weeds, Valent herbicides are proven to help growers start strong and protect their crop every step of the way. Visit valent.com/rice to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions.
5: 6 09. Breaking news, quick shots, analysis, all right here on Super Talk Jackson
0: 97.3. JT and Rhino. Faces made for radio. The JT Show. Super Talk, Mississippi. <laughs>
1: The great Johnny Olsen was the announcer for a match game starring Gene Rayburn. With a really long, skinny microphone. <laughs> exactly. That was his trademark. About three feet. <laughs> Came out. Uh, of course, the show was popular in the late 70s and uh, in particular. And, and he was always dressed in the, the 70s fashion I <laughs> with the lapels that were about a foot <laughs> About as long as the microphone and the big old ties and stuff, but very stylish, very colorful at a minimum. It's where Richard Dawson, who came from Hogan's Hero, it's kind of how he got his start in the game show industry and went on to become the first and longtime host of Family Feud. It was quite the quite the show. Charles Nelson Riley, I remember him, still comes on the game show network. It's entertaining. Kind of cool. So Eric and Madison, we we, thanks Eric for that uh, the text that included the link to the executive order and so Eric says I'm a federal contractor. If the company I work for loses the contract, the next company does not have the obligation to offer the current employees a position and Trump uh, signed an order which revoked that requirement, repealed that requirement and so I'll just uh, share my opinion uh, on it, and it for what it's worth. I, I support Trump's order and do not think that uh, the federal government should require that a private company, it shouldn't dictate to them who they hire. It shouldn't even require them to interview uh, the employees from the company who no longer has the contract. That, I mean, imagine that in the private sector. Uh, you would just essentially eliminate competition. I, in the services business, I can just speak from my, my personal perspective, we often won contracts and, and, and deals away from our competitors because we just felt like we had superior people. And, and that's what we were selling were the, were the capabilities and the resumes of those people. If those people are better than our competitor and we can do it, uh, we can provide the same level, if not better, service – sometimes even at a lower price, then we ought to win. That's just outright capitalism, competition, free market. But if the, if the buyer, if the owner, in this case the federal government, says I'll only do this business with you if you hire those people, I get that. That's, that's certainly their prerogative. But it shouldn't be forced on you. That, frankly, that's socialism. That's telling a company how they must operate. Here's who you're going to hire. Here's how much you're going to pay them. Here's where they're going to go. The, I, I find that as, as being intrusive. If, if it makes sense to retain those people because they have the most knowledge of the working environment for example and they could be they could offer and provide the greatest value and certainly the continuity is is immeasurable there's no question about that then that might in fact make sense it just shouldn't be forced in my opinion it just ought to be done because it makes good practical business sense and it's in the best interest of the supplier the vendor and also of the the recipient of the services in this case uh, the federal government, but you, you could apply that same standard. Really, I think to any situation where there's a, a a contracted terms and somebody else that picks it up, and they're essentially just continuing the uh, the same nature of work, same scope of work. But uh, so appreciate that though, Eric, for for weighing in on that. Um, also on the six zero one text line, if uh, C Spire text line, if everyone can go. To school for free, there will not be a need for scholarships. With a free college education, there will not be a need for colleges and universities to raise money. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. I've heard I've heard some other people throw that a- around as well. It it certainly does change the the dynamics uh, quite a bit. The worst thing that it does, in my view, is it it just contributes to and exacerbates. Inflation of a college education, more than anything, uh, there would be all kinds of ways that that will be taken advantage of, and this, to a great extent, that's exactly what's happened with student loans. You make student loans widely available with uh, all sorts of favorable terms, even though I know it costs an arm and a leg, and a lot of people are saddled with that debt for a long time. I want to say after a certain number of years, if you're at a certain income level, it's forgiven. Student loan is forgiven. And in some cases, it's not even taxable, the forgiveness of it as income. But, but nonetheless, I, I, I just think when the government gets involved like that, where there's big money, there's usually big scams and big corruption, and a whole lot of people, unfortunately, I think, fell for the bait and took these big loans out and went and majored in something that doesn't have a lot of value with respect to, to securing gainful employment. And that's just a big problem that has left a lot of people saddled with a lot of debt that they are are paying back and, and can't get the kind of work that they should have. It's the return on investment situation. Not all, but there are a lot of people out there that fit into that category. Mission Impossible here, bumping us out of the second hour. When we come back after the news, we've got Senator David Blunt, chairman of the Senate Gaming Committee, vice chair of the Senate Education Committee. We'll talk to him about this new education bill. Other legislation, Medicaid expansion seems to be on the table again. Stay with us.
0: UFMN Flora Jackson. Super Talk Mississippi. Powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. Online at baroniestreepros.com.
2: Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. Today, President Biden plans to sign 10 executive orders related to coronavirus, including more money for testing and vaccination orders.
9: The U.S. lost another 4,377 people to COVID-19 in the past day, the second highest single day death toll of the pandemic. Dr. Anthony Fauci, President Biden's top medical advisor on COVID-19, told the World Health Organization via video conference that the U.S. will remain a member of the WHO, revoking a pullout by the Trump administration.
2: Fox's Tanya J. Powers. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she'll be speaking soon with senators to determine when former President Trump's impeachment trial can start. The top House Republican Kevin McCarthy says President Biden should push for its dismissal.
4: Remember in his speech yesterday, for those who did not vote for him, give him a chance? Well, I think the best chance he'd have right now is say, let's not do impeachment. Let's dismiss this. Let's unite this nation.
2: America's listening to Fox News.
9: I'm Kelly Bennett and you're listening to News Mississippi. The teacher pay raise
11: bill has been unanimously passed by the Mississippi Senate. Without discussion or opposition, the bill aiming to raise the starting salary for Mississippi teachers to $37,000 and provide a $1,000 raise to current teachers will now be sent to the House for consideration. According to Senate Education Committee Chairman Dennis DeBar, the bill comes with a price tag of around $50 million. One
9: of the bills state lawmakers are working on aims to stop censorship on social media platforms. Angela Cockerham is the chair of the Judiciary A House Committee. I've had a lot of correspondence from people all across the state about this particular bill, both pro and against. They're also sorting through other important bills that have been referred to Judiciary A. Quite a few bills deal with child support enforcement and collection.
4: Are you looking for something unusual or hard to find? You might just find it on highbid.com. It's the online auction site for, well, just about everything. Highbid.com has estate sales, closeouts, liquidations, even government seized vehicle auctions. It's easy to bid on office furniture, antiques, sports memorabilia, restaurant equipment, motorboats, even arcade games. You can search for items by name or simply see where the next page takes you. Visit highbid.com. That's h-i-b-i-d.com and find out what you're looking for today.
6: career, a job, an opportunity? If so, Mississippi Community Colleges are
1: your affordable solution. As experts in training people for high-paying careers and connecting
6: people to opportunities, Mississippi Community Colleges can help you achieve your dream. Visit your community college for more information on the My Best Program and other career pathways.
9: I'm Dr. Andrea Mayfield, Executive Director of the Mississippi Community College Board.
4: For more information, email info at mccb.edu. Before leaving office,
9: former President Donald Trump pardoned or commuted the sentences of 143 individuals Four were from Mississippi. The list included Joey Hancock, indicted in 2010 on drug charges. Dr. Robert Stephen Corcoran, charged in 2011 with conspiracy to defraud the U.S., theft or bribery of federal funds, and making false statements. David Lamar Clinton, indicted in '95 and convicted of false statements and related charges. And Stephen Benjamin Floyd, who pled guilty to one-count of bank robbery by extortion. Jackson State head football
11: coach Deion Sanders played a role in the presidential pardon of Lil Wayne. Facing possible jail time on a firearm charge, the rapper was pardoned by outgoing President Donald Trump. Writing to the White House, Sanders called him a man of faith, a natural giver to the less fortunate, a way maker, and a game changer.
9: For more Mississippi news, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or find us online at newsms.fm.
4: Tom. Arm yourself
0: with everything you need to take on your day. Wake up with Gallo tomorrow on 97.3 FM, Super Talk Mississippi. Just when you think you've heard it all. Heard it all. Heard it all. Heard it all. It's time. It's time to kickstart another hour of the JT Show.
2: On with the show. Showtime.
0: Now, here's more with JT on Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: Welcome back, everyone, The JT Show Hour 3, Super Talk Mississippi. Thanks so much for joining us today. Gerard Gibbard in, along with uh, Rhino. And now joining us on the line and on video, Senator David Blunt, Mississippi Senator, District 29, Chairman of the Senate Gaming Committee, Vice Chair of the Senate Education Committee. Good afternoon, Senator. Good afternoon. Glad to be with you. Thanks for thanks for joining us. So. Uh, First off, talk to us about this teacher pay raise bill that seemed to go through without any uh, hesitation, any debate, unanimous.
13: Yes, it did pass this morning. Uh, It is the same bill that we passed in the Senate last year prior to the outbreak of COVID. Uh, The bill uh, now heads to the House. It would provide for a $1,000 a year pay raise to every teacher in Mississippi. Uh, Teachers in their first three years of teaching would get $1,100 $1,100 uh, and it would also cover our teachers assistance, which currently make about $14,000 a year. So I think it's important. Uh, pass the Senate unanimously. We hope the House will move on it this year.
1: So where does that put a Senator with respect to the neighboring states? I know that's always been something that, that is paid a lot of uh, attention to. We are
13: to. behind. Okay. You're right. We are behind. Uh, we make uh, the average teacher makes $6,000 less in Mississippi than he or she would make uh, in Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, or Louisiana. Now that, that, as you, you may, your readers, or listeners, excuse me, may know uh, the teacher salary scale in Mississippi does uh, increase uh, your, your pay each year you teach. So you make a little bit more each year. Uh, our people, our teachers are a little bit more competitive, still behind a little bit more competitive when they're near 25 30 of their careers but we are we are very far behind our neighboring states the southeast and the country for our new teachers and that's the major reason why we have a teacher shortage in this state.
1: so is there uh, I guess a feeling I think I would think there is uh, certainly in the Senate, uh, and, and I, I think over in the House as well, to continue to try to bump this pay scale up so that we are more competitive with the neighbor, neighboring states and are more in line with them?
13: Uh, yes, that's our goal, uh, and we're moving uh, in that direction. We're doing three things in the Senate this year to deal with the teacher shortage. Uh, we're going to raise pay. Uh, we're going to have a license reciprocity uh, with any state, uh, what happens now is if you're a licensed teacher in another state and you want to move to Mississippi and teach, uh, you can get a temporary license, but the State Department of Education may put additional requirements on you that just makes it cumbersome and difficult. Uh, and we don't need that. Uh, if you're licensed in another t- state, uh, and we have a teacher shortage, we want you to come here and we're not going to put any red tape in your way. Uh, and then finally, uh, we passed a bill out of the Senate Education Committee yesterday, which is my bill. Uh, which will help repay college loans for new teachers uh, entering the profession. But the bottom line in all this is the real take home pay for teachers is down and the real cost of college is up. So people are graduating with more college debt and people in terms of real take home pay adjusted for inflation are making less than they were before the onset of the great recession 12 years ago. So, given the basic facts, it's obvious why we have a teacher shortage. Yeah. And we've we've simply got to have teachers, Uh, and the market uh, is part of that, and and that means pay. Yeah. Uh, The other thing I want to emphasize, I'm sorry, go ahead, I'm I'm going on.
1: No, that's fine. I appreciate that. So, do you expect that to to pass without any trouble over in the House?
13: Uh, I can't predict what the House may do uh obviously we've got to pay for it we this this proposal cost about 50 million dollars uh we think we can do that the main point i want to make though is this everything that we do in this in state government and that includes funding our public schools paying our teachers paying prosecutors funding our universities whatever we do in, in, in state government is funded by the state budget Correct. taxes that are collected by the state one-third of the state budget uh, is the state income tax right so if you eliminate the state income tax uh, which the governor has proposed uh, you can just and, and you don't replace that with any other revenue what you will do is you will cut funding for schools by one third you will cut what teachers get paid by one third you'll cut funding for highways prisons mental health or anything that the state budget funds by one third so uh if the proposal that's being discussed is that we're going to eliminate the income tax and we're not going to have anything to replace it, that is the logical consequence of that proposal. Uh, and it's it's just reckless. So uh, it's on the table uh, and I know it's going to be looked at, but but for those of us who have to pay for these things, because we're going to balance the budget, we've got to look at uh, the revenue that comes in the state and how we do it.
1: So. Uh, the governor of course has suggested a phasing in of the elimination of the income tax over ten years and, you know, you've, you've heard the term we talked about in the last segment. You've heard there be some discussion about eliminating some of the exemptions that uh, are currently applied, say, in the state income, excuse me, the state sales tax and, and some of the other minor taxes. The state sales tax is really the big one. I think it's, it, it is the number one revenue source slightly ahead, if I'm not mistaken, last time I looked at it, I think, Senator, of income tax. Do you you think also that in eliminating or phasing out the income tax, do you you think, do you buy into the notion that it's possible to grow the economy and produce more revenue as a result of that, maybe maybe, um, attract more people into the state who would live and work here, uh, obviously purchase goods and services, pay more sales taxes – uh, it allow companies to expand and just generate more economic activity. That's kind of the theory behind that. Do you, do you agree with the validity of any of that, Senator?
9: Well,
13: that's a nice idea, and it's wishful thinking. But uh, if you're gonna eliminate one-third of the state budget, yeah. two billion dollars, uh, you're gonna need a little bit more than wishful thinking. You're gonna need documentation. You're gonna, If you're gonna eliminate exemptions, uh, certainly we should look at exemptions. But, but it's pretty, well, we have a, a, a record, we can find out what those things cost. Sure. And uh, you just need to show where the money's going to come from. And it's very simple. When, you, when you're proposing a massive tax cut, you need to do one of two things. You either have to show where you're going to cut the budget to reduce the services that are paid for by that revenue. Or you're going to have to show where, how you're going to make up the revenue. And just wishful thinking about growth uh, without any serious documentation. Uh, is 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 not a serious proposal and uh, I know this is phased in I know the pitch won't really happen until after the next election which is about as far as a lot of politicians will think yeah but you've just gotta gotta approach this in a serious way or, or the the problems we have in this state are only going to get worse
1: yeah appreciate that so yeah uh Let's turn our attention to some of the other uh, pending matters from a legislative perspective that you guys are tossing around. Of course, right off the bat, uh, ratified, I think, the bill to uh, put into place the new state flag. And I think there's also been a bill to fund some of that that maybe is on the table, or maybe it's been passed, I'm not sure, to, to fund uh, uh, just some of the... Uh, the items and assets and resources needed to deploy the flag in general. I think that's a minor deal from a funding perspective. Medicaid expansion I agree a, you're right. Medicaid expansion is a big one that that is coming up again. I think the Mississippi Hospital Association is uh, it frankly is lobbying for that is supporting that. Um, there are just under 200,000 Mississippians, I believe that are currently uninsured that it is uh, at least, um, projected would be covered if we expanded Medicaid uh, under the Affordable Care Act. Uh, that would include able-bodied adults would be eligible. That's the I think the big category, the big demographic. What do you think uh, uh, the chances are of getting that through? Um, certainly in a in a Republican-controlled Senate and House and and um, and Mansion there. And where do you stand uh, I, I on that? I can't
13: say what the chances i'm sorry Uh, i can't say what the chances would be but but it is it is absolutely the right thing to do uh the the, if we had an economic development project where the company said to us uh we're willing to come here and spend a billion dollars a year uh, to pay mississippians and to pay mississippi businesses and we just need you to cover 10 percent of that cost and we'll cover we'll cover the 900 million dollars. We just need the state to come up with the 10%, 100 million dollars. And then, if the hospitals had volunteered to put up the 10% without any additional uh, taxes paid by the state of Mississippi, we would jump all over that. Yeah. We would jump all over it. And that's why 38 states have done this, 38 states, and it's been on the ballot in Republican states, heavily Republican states, Oklahoma being one. Yeah, just uh, passed it. Missouri was not.
1: Just passed it, uh, yeah.
13: They passed It is. It is makes sense economically. Uh, it makes sense from a public health standpoint. I mean, the, the group of people that we're talking about here yep. are people who work, but work in jobs that don't have health insurance. Got it. And if you're making $15,000 a year and your job doesn't have health insurance, uh, you know, you don't have any coverage. And the, and the reason the hospitals want to pay for this is, when those folks get sick, they go to the hospital and they get a bill and they can't pay it.
1: Yeah, they can't pay it, because they don't
13: make enough money. They don't senator, have can you because hang with
1: can you hang with us, senator, through the next sure. through the break?
10: Whether it's getting the kiddos to school,
4: I love you. Bye, mom.
10: Or
0: taking it off road and uphill. Oh yeah! Yeah!
2: Woo-hoo. <laughs> oh yeah, baby!
0: We've got the right tires for you. Tire Depot has a huge selection of tires for every budget and every purpose, from everyday
11: drivers to extreme off-road performance. Tire Depot has you covered: alignments, mounting and balancing,
5: lift kits, and general repair. Tire Depot at the Reservoir in Brandon and Terry Road in Byram. Dave Logan, General Manager, Canon Nissan of Jackson 2021 is here,
3: the time has never been better for a new Nissan The remaining 2020 models have large
7: rebates, great opportunity to save money Here are a few great specials at Canon Nissan of Jackson 2020 Nissan Altima SR, 3200 off MSRP plus 0.9% APR for 72 months LC 230459 2020 Nissan Sentra SV, 2700 off MSRP LY30 And the all new 2021 Nissan Rogue, up to $2,000 off MSRP with 2.9% APR for 72 months. MW 101377. Canon Nissan of Jackson, our service department and parts department open
0: six days a week. All safety protocols are in place for your safety. No appointment needed. We have over 700 pre owned vehicles available. Remember, when the smoke clears, nobody beats a Canon deal. Nobody information is a precious commodity get yours from news mississippi and fox news trusted sources on 97.3 fm super talk mississippi the beaches of the coast yodeling it up in the queen city and stirring up the free state of jones the jt show smoking the airwaves of super talk mississippi and supertalk.fm <laughs>
1: welcome back everyone to jt show super talk mississippi thanks so much for joining us today We've got on the line with us, joining us on the show, Senator David Blunt, Senator from District 29. He chairs the Gaming Committee in the Senate and also the Vice Chair of the Education Committee. So, Senator, I I just wanted you to to complete your thoughts uh, with respect to Medicaid expansion. You are correct. There have been some uh, fairly ruby-red states that have recently expanded Medicaid, Oklahoma uh, being one of them, Missouri. Uh, I think we're down to 12, 13 total in the country now that have not expanded? Uh,
13: 12. Uh, eight of those are in the old Confederacy and four more. So 38 have. Yes, sir.
1: Texas, Florida, I believe. Mississippi, one of them. Arkansas has expanded. Think, I think Louisiana expanded. Alabama, I don't think, has it. Yeah. is that right? Tennessee.
13: You're, you're correct. Uh, Alabama. I mean, I've got I got a map here. Yeah. Uh, the states that have not Mississippi, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida. Yes, uh, and then four states outside of the Deep South: uh, Kansas, Wisconsin, South Dakota, and Wyoming. So thirty-eight have, twelve have not. Uh, again, the the hospitals essentially have agreed to pay the ten percent match, uh, and and what I want to say about this is that money. Uh, that would come to the state and it's roughly a billion dollars a year uh, is going to reduce the uncompensated cost that providers are, are faced with right now. You know, When you have somebody who's making $12,000 a year, $15,000 a year, doesn't have health insurance and to go see a doctor or go to the hospital, they're going to get a bill and they're not able to pay it. Yeah. And so the providers are eating that cost. Uh, so in this case, the hospital has essentially said, look, we will pay the match because We'll lose less money doing that than we will treating people who don't have health
1: insurance. Yeah, they're uninsured. Uh, And that's the
13: choice.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to clarify uh, for the benefit of our audience. uh, Medicaid is a a joint program where the federal government and the state governments match the costs, essentially pay the uh, the Medicaid costs, premiums, and so forth. And I think in the Mississippi, we have the highest, if I'm not mistaken, highest or maybe second highest federal match at 72, 73 percent of the cost, and then the state bears the remaining cost. A lot of people don't realize it's it's a five billion dollar total cost program to operate just in the state of Mississippi. It's almost as big as the general fund budget on its own when you count the federal and the state portion.
13: Yes, you're exactly right. Uh, the traditional Medicaid population that we have in Mississippi, and Mississippi was the last state in the country to start a Medicaid program back in the, uh, I think, the early 70s. We were last to do that, uh, but in, for Medicaid population right now, we do have the best match in the country. It's about, as you said, it's about the 74% when the federal government picks up a tab and the state picks up the difference. For Medicaid expansion, for that population, uh, the match is 90-10. Right. in other words the state puts up 10% uh, and the federal government puts up 90 percent uh, and that's a good deal and and that money goes to health care providers uh, it goes to you know those are those are people who are, are jobs or Mississippians or uh, that we then we need more of that it threatens this is the uncompensated care issue is huge for our hospitals and our specifically our rural hospitals yeah uh, now more than ever. Uh, so uh, I hope that the legislature will, will uh, uh, look at this carefully. I think it's the right thing to do.
1: You know what gets left out of that discussion, as I'm sure you're aware, is UMC, which uh, is, is expected, frankly, to, to serve and, and treat and care for everybody under any circumstances. I mean, it, it kind of is the safety net, frankly, to a great extent in the state. Uh, I, I think you're that,
13: exactly you're exactly right. Uh, you're exactly right. The medical center is in the district I represent. Okay. Uh, I represent parts of Jackson, Byron, and Terry. The medical centers in my district. Uh, so the, the cost, which so when someone goes to the UMC uh, and they don't have health insurance, the the taxpayers are eating that cost, 100% of that cost, yeah. to treat that person. Uh, and if that person was eligible for Medicaid, uh, the hospitals essentially through this fee we're talking about would pay 10% and the federal government
1: would pay 90%. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, so what's a little unique about the situation we have here in Mississippi, what's been proposed is that the hospitals have said, look, we'll cover that 10%. They, they've got a plan, I, I think it's called the CARES plan, if I'm Mississippi CARES plan, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, Senator, but they, they drafted a, a proposal last year, a couple of years ago, on how they would be willing to, to fund. And, and that, and that's been done in other states, as you know. Some other states have, I think Indiana is the one yes. that's frequently pointed to because it's where Vice President Pence, uh, he was the governor at the time, I believe that was, uh, implemented. Um, But nonetheless, so so what's the objection you hear from the Republicans? If if you could come and say, look, we can expand Medicaid and it won't cost the taxpayers of Mississippi directly anything because we wouldn't have to pay the state's $100 million share, that would be covered by the hospitals, that's cheaper for them than absorbing the cost of care. What's the objection there?
13: Uh, I think the initial objection was that they didn't like the president who came up with the program, even though the program, of course, was modeled after uh, the program that started in Massachusetts when when Mitt Romney was governor of Massachusetts. Yeah, as you said, uh, after, after it was passed, was adopted in Indiana when Mike Pence was governor of Indiana. Uh, uh, I think that's part of it. And it's just it's just partisan politics, uh, but but I, but we have to acknowledge that there is a cost here, and the Medicaid budget is is a lot state's portion of that is a lot so like we were talking about earlier if you're going to come up with a program you've got to find them to show how you're going to pay for it yeah Uh, and in this case uh the match the 10 percent match that would be required the hospitals have said look these up these uncompensated costs for killings we'll pay for it you don't have to raise taxes on on ordinary mississippi citizens we'll pay for this because we're getting killed on the uncompensated cost so i just think it is a lack of a it's just—it's not doing what, what yeah. the
1: right thing to do is. And it is for, um, it's just frustrating. Yeah. So I want to turn our attention to uh, something else and didn't mean to dwell so much on Medicaid. Appreciate you talking about that. And I did because I, I don't think a lot of our, our audience, I'm not sure if they're aware that Medicaid to the state of Mississippi is just under a billion-dollar cost item. And it, it represents I mean, almost 20, 20%, 25%. It's big deal in the state of Mississippi. The MAEP formula, uh, with respect to your work as vice chair of the Senate Education Committee, what do you think about that? Does it need some rework? It, it doesn't seem to be uh, optimum at this point.
13: Well, I mean, I, I would say this about the, the Mississippi Adequate Education Program. Uh, I think no, no formula is perfect. Sure. And uh, you know, any formula can be improved. Uh, the The issue is that what the MAEP does is, is two things. It sets an amount. Uh, that is sufficient or adequate for a school district to receive in state funds and then it allocates money uh, to all the districts. So there are two questions. One is how big is that pie going to be? How much money is the state going to spend on K through 12 education and then how is that money going to be divided among the states? And the reason we came up with this formula in the first place is we had great inequities in Mississippi among different school districts because as you know, a lot of funding for schools come from property taxes, right. and some districts are property rich, rich and some are property tax poor. Uh, to do that job, I think it has worked. I think it has worked well. Uh, it has it has kept us out of lawsuits regarding the equity issue. Again, so that a child, regardless of what the property taxes generate where they live, can get uh, the state's money is dispersed fairly to all the school districts. That's worked. Uh, we also need the accountability of the formula. I support the formula. You know, we had a bill, I guess about three years ago, four years ago in the Senate to repeal uh, the MAE program, right. MAP program, and replace it. Uh, that that uh, was rejected uh, in a in a bipartisan vote. Uh, so I think the MAP program is generally solid, but no no program's perfect. And uh, I've talked to the chairman of the Education Committee uh who does a great job. Uh the idea is that and I'd support him in this, let's after this session, I think we will look at this. Uh I think we're gonna do it in an open way, uh not the way it was done last time, but in an open way that brings everybody to the table and says, look uh what tweaks do we need to make to make this thing work better? Yeah. Uh one, for example, I we know we talked about is we calculate right now average daily attendance. Yep. Well, which requires us to count the number of students attending school on a particular day. Uh, we want to talk about moving to average daily membership, which is essentially how many students are in the school district. Yeah. And, you know, that means attendance changes every day. It's the complicated. The school district has to budget. Yeah.
1: They've got a
13: budget and hire people based on how many students they have, assuming that 100% come to school and do that yeah. it doesn't ever happen. So there are tweaks like that that can be made. I'm open to that. Uh, but it needs to be done by bringing everybody to the table and
7: do it.
1: Do it like Senator, this. I appreciate you joining us today. appreciate your insights, sir, and we look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for coming on. I'm
13: happy to be on. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. Senator David Blunt, he represents District 29 in the great state of Mississippi.
7: When you choose roto you'll get honest estimates and no hassle guarantees so you can get it fixed quickly and enjoy peace of mind.
5: We're there for you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week,
3: day and night, holidays, and weekends. We've been providing service to Mississippi for over 80
5: years. Call the original Roto-Rooter, 601-353-3333. Mention this ad to receive $25 off any service.
2: Call roto that's the name. Got a winkle troubles down the drain. roto
5: if you need a cash infusion after all your Christmas expenses, perhaps we can help at DNS Diamonds and Jewelry in Flowood. At DNS Diamonds, we are always purchasing diamonds, precious stones, gold, silver, and platinum in the form of jewelry or a scrap. We truly believe we pay more than anyone else for your pre owned, broken, or unwanted jewelry. With gold prices hovering at near record levels, now is a great time to sell. DNS Diamonds and Jewelry, 144 Market Street across from Amerigo in Flowood. Practitioners. Practitioners.
9: I'm Kelly Bennett and you're listening to News Mississippi. The teacher pay
11: raise bill has been unanimously passed by the Mississippi Senate. Without discussion or opposition, the bill aiming to raise the starting salary for Mississippi teachers to $37,000 and provide a $1,000 raise to current teachers will now be sent to the House for consideration. According to Senate Education Committee Chairman Dennis DeBar, the bill comes with a price tag of around $50 million. One
9: of the bills state lawmakers are working on aims to stop censorship on social media platforms. Angela Cockerham is the chair of the Judiciary A House Committee. I've had a lot of correspondence from people all across the state about this particular bill, both pro and against. They're also sorting through other important bills that have been referred to Judiciary A. Quite a few bills deal with child support enforcement and collection.
0: In a world full of noise the latest news Finding information that matters to you can be overwhelming. That's why Super Talk is here. Here we go. To filter through the noise, to cut through the clutter, to deliver real information, and discuss how it affects you. You'll know what's important and why it matters when you listen to Super Talk Mississippi. Go. The JT Show. You know what that sound is? Yeah! The JT Show with JT and Rhino. What? You want it? Here it is. Hit it. Hit it. Super
7: Hit it. Talk Mississippi. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it.
8: Nanu, nanu.
10: Shalbat.
1: Heck everyone. The Mork and Mindy Show. Gerard Gibbard in today on the JT Show, along with Rhino. Senator David Blunt just completed an interview with him. The senator is a Democrat from District 29. I know many of our listeners are writing in about that. And uh, probably had figured that out based on his policy positions, but... Uh, you know, we thought it made sense just to hear something uh, from the other side, just to get a, a sense of where they stand. I, I think it makes sense, frankly, for all sides to understand the philosophy and the ideologies of the other in order to effectively uh, combat and counter those policies with which you disagree. It, it's it's kind of like... uh it's the now- ancient
3: art of war from Sun Tzu.
1: Sure. Um you know, I, I I hark back to the uh the movie Patton. Not sure if you've ever seen that, George C. Scott. Oh yeah. And I think it's Rommel, right, he's going to war with and, and I don't know, he's he's got his field glasses and he's looking over the uh, you know, where the action is occurring and, and he can tell he's some maneuver, you know, some some tactic that he has ordered is clearly going to defeat Rommel, and, you know, he waves his fists in the air, and he says, I read your damn book. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Isn't that kind of what this is about here? So it understanding uh, his perspective, even though it's a perspective with which I, I disagree, and I think most of our listeners do, I think it makes sense to understand it. We want, certainly, the other side Heck, the way it's going right now, we don't even have a venue to talk on. They're canceling us all over the place. So how hypocritical is that? We know we need to have a conversation. Where? What? Free speech in squat if there's no place to speak. And that's kind of what's going on there. So, um Anyhow, Jerry and Bumble says, don't tell me you're getting soft. No, I'm not getting soft. We're not getting soft here at all. Uh,
3: if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a 100 battles. Sure. Sun Tzu, the art of war.
1: But, uh, you know, I, I, the senator, he was respectful. I was respectful to him. I think that's kind of the way we get information out there. And so we're just trying to inform and and uh, and kind of see where the other side lands and where they think about some of these key issues it should be probably mentioned that i think our lieutenant governor is kind of leaning towards medicaid expansion the governor clearly is not i think anything that goes to his desk gets vetoed he's made that fairly clear i think it was a differentiating policy position during uh, the campaign what is unique here and there's and somebody texted us uh Rhino about, uh, uh, where's that $100 million? Uh, yeah, Moe says, the hospitals cannot absorb $100 million in costs without passing that directly to the customers of patients. Yeah, where they pass it to, frankly, now is to those of us that have private insurance. The reason I, one of the reasons our private insurance is so high is because we're having to pay for all the uninsured care. And so,
3: Which is why the argument to expand Medicaid is kind of duplicitous. Let's yeah. expand it, because you're already footing the bill, so foot the bill already.
1: Yeah, that's part of the problem. So if you, if you dig deep in the way medical, the revenue a component of, um, of health care and health care insurance works, Medicaid and Medicare actually reimburse below what is, is presented as stated cost. And private insurance reimburses slightly higher. So the private insurance essentially subsidizes uh, the, uh, the lower reimbursement rates of Medicare and, and Medicaid, which is even slightly lower, I believe, than Medicare now. Uh, and then, but then it's just a big uninsured population because, by law, you can't turn them down, the uh M-TALA laws, which the hospitals talk about uh, constantly. And by the way, that was a Reagan law. That was that was Ronald Reagan. Basically, it stipulates that a hospital has to take, in order to participate in in uh, government health care programs, their emergency rooms have to take everybody, and they have to get them stabilized before they can release them. Sometimes they end up in the hospital for an extended period of time until they get um, physically stable, in which case they are able to release them. But in the meantime, if they don't have any insurance, you're eating it as a health care institution. And I'm not asking for people to sympathize with the healthcare institutions, but the fact is, uh, according to third-party reports about the healthcare industry, such as from KPMG, one of the big four accounting firms, about 75% of the community health care uh, institutions in this country are losing money. They're cash flow negative. Now, I'm not saying Medicaid is the way to fix that, and that's what the senator said. He made that point. But that's just economic reality, and and there are a lot of different ways to address that. Medicaid expansion is probably not the optimum way. To do that, if your answer is we're losing money,
3: let's lose less yeah. money. Maybe there's a better answer.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly right, and that's that's the fundamental problem. And the hospitals are showing up saying, or the hospital association saying, "Look, we're willing to pay that hundred million dollars just so that we don't have to eat all the uninsured care that we're giving away." I think UMC, if I'm not mistaken, last time I looked at that, about forty percent of all their care um, is given to either. Medicaid recipients or it's uninsured, and which puts that – so we're all paying for that. We're all absorbing that with our taxes here. I want to say UMC, of all the teaching hospitals in the country, uh, that puts them at the top of the list in terms of the, the percentage of their total care that uh, is either uninsured or comes from Medicaid. There's 700,000-plus on Medicaid. Uh, In the state of Mississippi, last time I looked at it, about 400,000 of them are are children. In the CHIP program, uh, the rest of them are are indigent-elderly, the vast majority of the rest of them. And then they're also for the disabled. If they're a disabled adult that that, um, fit in the age range where they're not considered elderly, but if they are, they're elderly and they're indigent, They means-tested on their income, then they also can receive both Medicare and Medicaid benefits. And that's, frankly, where the majority of the costs go. It goes to that elderly population. There's no secret about that. But, uh, yeah, Rusty in Greenville says, Rama, you magnificent <laughs> I don't think we can say that. You B-word. I read your damn book. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's what he said. But uh, anyhow, yeah, from on the 601 line, wait till all the immigrants get here. I agree. That's why exactly why we shouldn't why it's bad to pass these policies that just allow the immigrants to pour across our borders because in accordance with federal law passed under President Ronald Reagan, if they end up in the emergency room uh, for whatever reason, they can, they're can they going to have to receive care and they can't be released. You can't say, hey, can you pay for this? Do you, if you don't have insurance you can't pay for it, you're going to get care. That And that, by the way, is a lie that the left... Tries to uh, perpetuate as well. The people are just dying in the streets because they can't get care. That's not true either. That's not true either. Let's just dispense with that. There, there's not, there's not a doctor that I know of in this country that would say, well, if you can't pay, you're just going to have to die. You go to the hospital. You go to the emergency room. You even go to a clinic. You're pretty much going to get care. Um, if, if you're, if certainly, if it's an urgent situation. So that's not true either. Um, if Baptist merit, this is on the ceasefire text line, are losing money, why are new branches popping up? Hey, I would, it's JB, I, I'd, go look at the financial statements. I didn't say they were losing money, by the way. I, I, I didn't say that. I said the community hospitals, but go look at the community hospitals, not the big ones. But go look at their financial statements. They don't make any money, it's terrible. They're not really in that business anyhow, but they're cash flow positive. But 75% of them in this country are cash flow negative. Now, we could argue about all kinds of cost-cutting they can do, no question. There are lots of things they could do to shore up their house as well, but it's just a complicated problem because it is a life-or-death situation. It's not like, well, I can do without that. No, if you do without certain health care, you die, or your quality of life certainly stinks. So it's a big, complicated problem. And we keep inventing more care, and everybody wants it. Why not? And if it's available, it's going to be dispensed to you, whether you can afford it or not. So complicated issues. um, And that
3: doesn't even touch on the fact that we have an uneducated society that will go to the emergency room for the sniffles.
1: That's exactly right. That's a big problem, too. But you can't say no. You just got the sniffles. I sat, before we go to break, I sat in the emergency room about three years ago. My wife had an acute kidney stone she was passing in dire pain, 12 o'clock at night on a Tuesday. There were three young people in there that looked fairly well-dressed. I said, why are they here? They're, they're sick. And I overheard them talking. They were trying to get an excuse from the ER physician so they didn't have to take a test at a local college the next day. They're clogging up the ER. That's the kind of crap you get. Stay with us. Final segment coming up.
8: I love it.
0: Catfish is excellent. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk.
11: This is Jake Mangum. It's great to be on a team that is based in Mississippi. It's important to me that my team supports our high schools, universities, and several local events throughout the state. Of course, I'm talking about my home team, Farm Bureau Insurance. If you aren't already with Farm Bureau, it's time to join the team. Visit favrates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance, or find a local agent at msfbins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. Confidence. Peace of mind. A way forward.
3: During tough times, these are the things we all want. And with the personalized help of a Trustmark relationship manager, it's something we can find together. That's why Trustmark is standing by business owners. No matter what challenges you may be facing, we are here with a suite of financial services to help you find a path forward. Learn more at Trustmark.com slash business.
4: Good Things with me, Rebecca Turner. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour,
9: weekdays from 2 to 3 p.m., right here on Super Jackson 97.3.
0: JT Show, your number one source for all the news and information you never knew you needed. The JT Show on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm.
10: The end of the Civil War was near when quite accidentally hero who sneezed, abruptly seized retreat, and reversed it to victory. His medal of honor pleased and thrilled his proud little family group. While pinning it on, some blood was spilled, and so it was planned he'd command F-tru fights are colorful sights and nobody takes a licking
2: where pale face and red skin both
1: welcome chicken. back everyone final segment the JT show super talk Mississippi Friday Eve Thursday F troop bumping us into the segment lots of text uh, got got folks uh, really talking and buzzing about this whole Medicaid issue and it, I think it's gonna be one that is gonna continue to be debated and uh, batted around the capital. It's a complicated thing. There's a lot of people that think, well, given the pandemic, you know, maybe now's the time because that, that did cause a, a lot of uh, uh, economic harm, shall we say, in across the healthcare industry. Now they got lots of of money and, and relief to to counter and offset that. Uh, but many say it kind of exposed some of the issues with respect to the uninsured population. So on the text line, one of the questions was, is there a guarantee from the Fed that that 10% 90-10 uh, joint funding situation is permanent, stays in place? It can only be changed with law. It gets funded um, uh, automatically through the mandatory spending programs that we've talked about that before. You know, every time the, the Congress doesn't meet every year to fund the government like the like what occurs at the state level. Seventy uh, percent of our spending is mandatory. It's statutory. It's going to happen unless those statutes are changed. And the only way they can do that presently is with uh, by passing legislation or to amend uh, present um, present statute. And that would require sixty votes in the Senate at this point. So if you wanted to change the Medicaid program, that's how you'd have to do it. Obamacare. Uh, you could make some minor changes to it, I should say, through the reconciliation process, but there are all kinds of limits and thresholds on that. That only requires a majority vote in the Senate. But in general, any major sweeping change would have to come through that. A, a lot of folks support the idea of uh, block grants. And so instead of kind of a fee for service model where every time there's a service delivered, the Fed pays. X percent, and, and the state pays X percent of the or the total cost based on that model. It would just be here's a big chunk of money to you based on prior history. State, you just operate it the way you see fit. That's actually been done in some states. Been talked about here as an example. It, it's it's kind of a complicated uh, deal. Healthcare just is. Haven't heard a lot about that, frankly, from the uh, the the Biden. Administration on the campaign trail, other than his intent to expand Obamacare, that mainly what he's talking about there is expanding the subsidies uh, for those who who qualify to buy private insurance in the exchanges, where the government subsidizes that, such that your premiums are never above a certain percent of your income, and it's a it's a graduated scale based on your income relative. Uh, to the percent that would uh, deem to be the amount that it would cap out at. So for the lower income levels, for example, your premiums cannot exceed, I think it's like 2% of your income all the way up to um, 400% of the federal poverty level, which for an individual is is about 50 grand or so, last time I checked. Your premiums could be as much as, I think, 9% of your income, and so he's wanting to do some adjustments there in terms of subsidies. That's kind of on the plate. Um, the, we had somebody ask what oh, Silas in Meridian wanted to know what happened on the wall. The wall's an issue with respect to Medicaid and health care because, as we talked about, those folks are seeking health care. They're not getting it in Guatemala and the Honduras and, and some of the other very poor and corrupt Central American uh, countries and President Obama, excuse me, o Biden, Biden has said that'll be a Freudian slip for a long time, won't it? Because it's kind of an Obama redo. Uh, but he has said, "Yep, we're gonna we're not gonna complete the wall. We're gonna really back off on enforcement of immigration law and policy. Uh, we're gonna expand the DACA program. Well, what does all that translate to? More immigrants." coming in the country illegally, being released into the population, consuming resources that are paid for and funded by the American taxpayer. That is definitely a problem. Rhino, I think I read a report a couple years ago where like half of all the babies born in Los Angeles County are illegals or two. It's something crazy like that because there's just such a a rush of uh, those across the border. Now, I think that has changed. Frankly, since the wall was completed in that area, if you listen to all the ICE officials, Homeland Security, they all say, yeah, this has definitely curbed the rate of uh, flow across the border. But under the Biden administration, it just seems like it's going to be wide open. Who'd have thunk it? Enforcement actually does something. <laughs> Yeah, and Silas says, yeah, but Trump said Mexico was going to pay for the wall. Yeah, okay, we can dwell on that as well.
3: And Obama said you could keep your doctor.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we're going to play what whataboutism on all these political promises and campaign promises that really never materialized, we could consume, what, several months of the show just talking about campaign promises that never came to fruition. Or you could just say, Hey, I'm running for president. And I really can't promise you anything because I can't do anything. Or you, therefore, you don't get elected. That's the dilemma. That's in our political world. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back with you again tomorrow. Stay safe.
0: A Super Talk Mississippi yeah. Media Production.